1: But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast.
0: Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on Welcome the phone. Look at everybody. Episode 5. Week 35. Yeah. For the podcast. It's 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 sports podcast, it is Friday, May 20th, 2022. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody's ready for You already know it's going to be a loaded episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. So much to get into. Here's what you need to know about today's show. Listen, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You know what we're talking about. It is this wild Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher back and forth in the public. I have never seen anything like it. Nick Saban makes some comments about AM on t- Wednesday night. Jimbo Fisher comes out firing on Thursday morning, one of the craziest press conferences I've ever seen. And then, on, uh, of course, later on Thursday, Nick Saban kind of recants some of the stuff that he said, takes back some of the stuff he says, shuttles his words around. But what was said was said, and we have ourselves an amazing lead topic of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. From there, just that one segment, we're going to hit on it from every single angle possible, and then we'll get to where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I think today will be a little bit of a quicker show. It's May There's A lot of you are busy, and you're traveling, and you're going to the beach, and you're enjoying the weather outside, so no need to go an hour, hour 10 on a lot of different stuff. This is the topic. This is what everybody wants to talk about, and so with that said, uh, a little bit of a quicker show today, probably 35, 40 minutes, we'll get out of here, but it will still be a very fun show with an awful lot to talk about, and so with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. At the top of the day, let me just say this. There are times where I sign on to do this show where, you know, you start to wonder, uh, what am I going to talk about here for 30, 40, 50 minutes, uh, you know, that I do this show three, four times a week? Well, today ain't one of those days. We are not scraping the bottom of the barrel on today's Eratoria Sports Podcast as, oh my goodness, the previous 24 hours from when, I have been, when I'm have i recording right now are some of the craziest in recent college football history with this wild Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher back and forth. And you guys all know everything that happened, but let me just give, take, give me two minutes to just explain everything that happened, and then we'll get into the meat of it, because I'll tell you this, it is not often that I think Nick Saban takes public L's, but I thought this was a really bad day for Nick Saban, and I... I I didn't like how he handled himself. I know he has since apologized and run some stuff back and said he didn't mean to single anybody out, but I just do not think this was a good 24 hours for Nick Saban. But really the crux of it is something that we've talked about quite a bit on this show over the last, I don't know, two to three months, and that is the 2022 high school recruiting class at Texas A&M. You probably, if you're listening to this show, don't need me to tell you, but it was the greatest recruiting class in the history of high school football or certainly since the recruiting rankings came into place in total texas a&m signed eight five-star players uh they signed something in the neighborhood of 14 to 15 of the top 100 players in high school football which is essentially unheard of although alabama had slightly one or two less but this was a historically great class And in the lead up to signing day on February, where they added a few more five stars from the early signing period, there became this rumor and innuendo that Texas A&M was paying all of its players in its recruiting class, calling it NIL, but was essentially pay for play. The rumor at the time, and it was never reported by anybody credible, not ESPN, not The Athletic, not Fox Sports, not New York, whoever you deem to be credible, nobody credible reported it. But it was out there that a and was paying upwards of a million dollars per player to sign this great class and calling it NIL. Jimbo Fisher at the time responded to it. He wasn't very happy, defended his program, all that good stuff. Why do I bring it up? Why are we talking about it on a, on a Friday in May? Well, you know why. It is because on Wednesday night, Nick Sabin was doing a booster event Uh, for Alabama fans and I think everybody knows but this time of year it's a lot of booster events you kind of travel around the state travel locally meet with fans meet with boosters tell them about the season get them fired up if you remember ironically this time last year was when Jimbo Fisher made the famous statement of we're beating Alabama at some point before I before I get out of here as the Texas A&M head coach so Nick Saban is at one of these events on Wednesday night and he's on this panel with Nate Oates and, and you know some other people from across the, the, the Alabama Athletic Department. And he's kind of asked about the whole situation in the world of college sports. And this is what Nick Saban said to Alabama Boosters. This is what he said. He said, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name image likeness, we didn't buy one player, but I don't know if we, were go, if we are going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. When I saw this quote, okay, like, like that's like the record scratch. We got to stop for half a second. Because when I saw this quote on Wednesday night, I thought for certain, that could not be accurate. I thought for certain Nick Saban was misquoted and I thought for certain I even put out a tweet that is still on my Twitter feed. I said, I bet we get some sort of retraction from Nick Saban by 11 a.m. Central on Thursday because I don't believe he would say that, not that people aren't paying players through NIL, not that NIL's out of control, but for Nick Saban to publicly call out Texas A&M with no actual proof, I just did not believe that that could ever actually, actually, actually happen. Well, fast forward about 10 minutes later and somebody tweets at me, oh, you think there's a retraction coming? You think Nick Saban is gonna claim on Wednesday, on Thursday that he was misquoted? Oh, well, here's the thing. It's 2022 and we have video and the video went crazy viral. It became certainly the biggest story in all of sports. It became so big TMZ was covering it. That's how big it was. Where there is video, like I said, Nick Saban with Nate Oates on a panel and Nick Saban said this exact thing and so my mind was blown and of course the natural inclination is what's next what is going to happen and how is Jimbo Fisher going to respond because he's obviously not going to take it sitting down lightly now I also thought I should say I I, you know you talk about where Aaron was wrong I thought that maybe we'd get a, a public statement from Jimbo Fisher I thought that he wasn't going to really get into the weeds on this because, one, Jimbo Fisher already talked about this and answered this on National Signing Day. He said, look, this is ridiculous. We're not talking about this anymore. But two, I was under the impression he had a good relationship with Nick Saban. Used to work for him, all that good stuff. We all know that. Well, no, 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 no. Jimbo Fisher was not taking the sitting down. Jimbo Fisher was not releasing a press release or making a non-comment on it. Oh, Jimbo Fisher held his own press conference on Thursday morning and came out guns blazing. I am going to read you a few of the quotes, although not all of them, because I have never seen a press conference like this. Here is what Jimbo Fisher had to say about the allegation from Nick Saban that every player in the recruiting class was bought. First, he starts off kind of calm. We've never bought anybody, Jimbo Fisher said. No rules are broken. Nothing was done wrong. It's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-olds and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. We're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. Okay, that's not a big deal. Totally calm, perfectly rational thing for a coach to say when something like this happens. But then he continued. It's pretty despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say this when he doesn't get his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow th- those things to happen. It's ridiculous when he's not on top. So Jimbo Fisher just called Nick Saban a narcissist and basically claims that because Alabama did not have the number 1 recruiting class, he is freaking out. And if that was where it was if that's where it ended, okay, that'd be one. Oh, but no, it didn't even come close to ending there. Here is what he said from there. He said, some people think they're God. This is Jimbo Fisher talking about Nick Saban. Some people think they're God. Well, go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out a lot of things you don't want to know. We build him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody's that's ever coached for him. You can't find out, you can find out anything you want to find out what he does and how he does it. So Nick Saban, you just opened up a can of worms, my man. You just accused Jimbo Fisher of a lot of things, and he's got some skeletons in the closet. And then finally, a couple other things. Uh, First of all, he's asked something by my buddy Olin Buchanan, and he says, "Uh, Nick Saban, he's the greatest ever? When you've got all the advantages, it's easy. And then he continued, remember, Jimbo Fisher was the longtime assistant coach of Bobby Bowden that took over the program when Bobby Bowden retired. Jimbo Fisher says, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn not how, how not to do things. There's a reason people, I don't go back, and there's a reason I haven't gone back and worked for Saban, don't want to be associated with him. And he was also asked if Nick Saban had reached out and he said, Uh, not going to, or if they had talked, not going to, were done. In other words, Nick Saban tried to reach out. Jimbo Fisher did not pick up his call, did not respond, and oh, baby, was he fired up. And so, of course, by the way, you know, whatever, Thursday afternoon, Nick Saban ran back some of the comments. He meant to say that he didn't mean to single anybody out. He's frustrated with the current state, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into that in a minute. But before we do, we got to talk about the initial front back Saban to Fisher because I have never seen anything like it and let me also say this I don't ever remember a scenario where I just I I can't ever remember Nick Saban being this wrong about something first of all to go back to the initial allegation you know I, I think at this point it's just me and Jimbo Fisher that remain like bizarrely stunned by how big this story is and how it seemingly came out of nowhere I've talked about it on the show before, and I just talked about it a minute ago. This allegation that Texas A&M, and I understand it's a new world. I understand two things have happened in the last 12 months that could make this story spicy and juicy. NIL was put into place, and on top of that, Texas A&M signed the number one recruiting class ever. I can understand where a fan, where you, where me, if I'm a Tennessee fan, if I'm a Georgia fan, if I'm a Texas fan, can sit there and say, well, wait a second now. They never recruited like this before. Then NIL comes into place. But first of all, Nick Saban publicly in front, I don't care if it's his own boosters, but to publicly accuse Jimbo Fisher, here is my fundamental issue. My fundamental issue is there is no credible report. No one credible has ever definitively said, here is the proof that Texas A&M offered every single one of their recruits a million dollars. I've said it before, the initial report started on an Oklahoma message board, if I understand correct, which was then picked up by BroBible.com, BroBible.com, and from there it took off like wildfire. We're not talking about The Athletic breaking this story, we're not talking about Bruce Feldman breaking this story, we're not talking about ESPN breaking this story, we're talking about an internet message board story that got picked up by BroBible.com that has taken off like wildfire, and now Nick Saban is talking about it publicly. It's insane. Secondly, let me just say this, and I've said it a million times, so a so and fans have probably heard this three, four times. Diehard listeners of this show have, but let me reiterate. I'm not saying that NIL played no role in a 2022 recruiting class, because I believe NIL played plays a role in every recruiting conversation in these days. But as I said a minute ago, there are also perfectly logical reasons why this a and class came together the way that it did, and I've already talked about them. We don't need to get into all of it. Houston had a historically great recruiting class, or a historically great high school class. Texas a and always recruits Houston well. They had more great players than usual. Texas a and took very much advantage of the coaching craziness across college football. They had a five-star defensive tackle that was committed to Oklahoma, ends up leaving Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley leaves for USC. They had a four-star safety that was leaning towards LSU, was going to go to LSU, then Coach O gets fired, he ends up at a and Shamar Stewart, five-star from Miami, was leaning towards Florida and Miami, they both changed coaches, he ends up at Texas A&M. And then in an interesting twist, by the way, especially in the post-John Ruiz era, he literally said at his press conference, if it was about money... I would have gone to Miami. I would have stayed home. So take that for what it's worth since we're just taking rumors and innuendo. Those are the reasons beyond that. Remember, Texas A&M was coming off a 2020 season in which they went 9-1 and finished fifth in the country. Most of these kids committed before the season even started or at least a fair number of them committed before the season started. Let's also remember that they beat Alabama, that many of these recruits were on campus when they beat Alabama, and they basically got the best version of Texas A&M that you could possibly get in that scenario. So one, we have no credible reports. Two, there are legitimate reasons why this class came together the way that it did. And I'm not saying NIL played no role. But to say that it was the reason with no credible proof is bad. But here is where my frustration personally with Nick Saban comes in. And I think the frustration of 13 other SEC fan bases comes in. Nick Saban's being a total hypocrite here. For him to go on a podium, and again, I get that he's in front of his own boosters. I get that one, he's trying to scare them into donating more money. I get all that. But at the same time, this is a totally hypocritical BS move, okay? And I'll tell you why. Because even if Texas A&M did what he accused them of, which we again have zero tangible proof of, here's the bottom line. It's not as though Nick Saban has not bragged about Alabama's own NIL enterprise before remember July 1st 2021 NIL comes into law uh, by NCA bylaw okay so every state has different laws which we've talked about and which we'll actually talk about again here in a minute but July 1 NIL is allowed players can get paid for their name image and likeness okay where was Nick Saban about two two and a half three weeks later oh I remember and some of you don't or some of you are being blissfully ignorant But he was at a Texas high school coaches convention about July 20th, July 21st, right in the lead up to SEC media days. And do you remember what he said at the Texas coaches convention in mid-July of 2021, right after NIL? Oh, I remember. He said, well, you know, it's the strangest thing. It's crazy. Our quarterback, who's never started a game, this was Bryce Young, Last year, before Bryce Young had ever started a game in Alabama, oh, our quarterback, that guy's made right around seven figures and he's never even started a game. It's the craziest thing. And at the time, we all looked at it like, one, that's crazy. He never started a game. But two, that was Nick Saban using NIL in his own right as a recruiting tool. And I know what Alabama fans will say. Well, it's different because he was already on campus. It's different than AM and paying players, which by the way, we don't have proof that AM has done. But is it really different though? By technicality, it's kind of sort of different because he was on campus. But if NIL is really about your name, image, and likeness, what had Bryce Young done to that point to earn a million dollars or so, give or take from Nick Saban's mouth? Absolutely nothing. And so you can't out of one side of your mouth brag about how great NIL is to all the high school coaches in the state of Texas and tell them it's incredible. You come here, it's the darndest thing. My guy hasn't even started a game. He's making a million dollars. And then complain because you believe that Texas A&M or anybody has a perceived advantage in recruiting. I would also mention, you know, this was some of the stuff that Jimbo Fisher talked about. I'm not into the game of rumors and innuendo. I'll defend Jimbo Fisher until we get a report from The Athletic from the New York Times, from wherever that has proof that all these guys got a million dollars. And if it, if it does, then I'll come back and apologize to Nick Saban. But at the same time, it's not as though, as Jimbo Fisher said, Nick Saban doesn't have a few skeletons in his closet, or at least the programs that he's been involved in, the players that he's been involved in, whatever. We've seen pictures of Alabama guys throwing around cash. We saw pictures of Derrick Henry in front of a car, of this guy in front of a car, of whatever. Oh, by the way, Tennessee fans know this well. Jeremy Pruitt, of course, got fired. Money in McDonald's bags. Where did Jeremy Pruitt come from? Alabama. Where did most of his recruiting class, cl- staff come from? Alabama. I'm not accusing Nick Saban of anything, but I think Jimbo Fisher made it pretty clear that there are some skeletons in Nick Saban's closet, and if you dig deep enough, not even Nick Saban's closet, God's closet, according to Jimbo Fisher. And if you dig deep enough, you might find some stuff that you don't want to see. And so when I look at this, This is why I believe that it's an L for Nick Saban. Because I understand, and and maybe I should even backtrack. I understand where Nick Saban's coming from. Nick Saban, this is a crazy evolving world of college football, and Nick Saban just wants some guidelines. He wants some oversight. He doesn't want Texas A&M to be able to do this. He doesn't want Georgia to be able to do this, Florida to be able to do that, Tennessee to be able to do that, and Alabama to be able to do this. Well, guess what? You know who wants the exact same thing? Jimbo Fisher, he said it in his press conference, which we'll talk about in Aaron Right, Aaron Wrong. He said it in his press conference. We need federal oversight. And so where I'm frustrated with Nick Saban is, again, after all this, Jimbo Fisher does his press conference. Nick Saban does an interview on SiriusXM where he comes out and he says, look, I wasn't trying to single anybody out. I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about collectives. Collectives are just paying players. That's not what the intent was. First of all, I agree. Second of all, Jimbo Fisher agrees, but third of all, there is a way, and by the way, Nick Saban said something out of pocket that he shouldn't have, it doesn't make him a terrible human being, he just said something dumb that he shouldn't have said at a time when cameras are on him, guess what, I say dumb stuff all the time, doesn't mean that I should be not, you know, ridiculed or judged or criticized when I say dumb stuff, I say dumb stuff all the time, I get crushed for it, and that's okay, I deserve it. But in this particular case, Nick Saban deserves it too, because it's not just what he said, but it's that he that he 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 said stuff that criticized individual people, individual programs, individual players, and that was what Nick Saban said. He said I shouldn't have I shouldn't have I shouldn't have individually named anybody, and that to me was outside of Nick Saban being a hypocrite with the Bryce Young stuff. That was my other takeaway. If you are worried about the future of college football, And by the way, we all are. I am. I'm not here to say that I think the current system is the best system and what happens if this and da 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 But at the same time, there is a way to do it without going after individual schools and individual players and individual families. By the way, it wasn't just Texas A&M that he went after. He went after Jackson State and Travis Hunter. By the way, another program that there is no proof of at all is just internet rumor, right? Travis Hunter commits on signing day, flips from Florida State to, to Jackson State and Deion Sanders, and we start seeing all these crazy rumors while Deion works for Barstool, and Barstool gave him a million dollars, and blah, 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 and this and that. Well, if Barstool's handed out a million dollars to everybody, then why didn't they sign all the five stars? Why was it just one? Travis Hunter, by the way, coming out and saying on, I think it was a Thursday morning or Wednesday night, saying, wait a second now, if I got a million dollars, why does my mom still live in a one-bedroom house with five children? I ain't seen that million dollars if I got it. And so that's where my frustration personally is with Nick Saban. I think he wants the same things that Jimbo Fisher wants. I think that he wants the same things that I want. He wants a college football where there is federal oversight, federal guidelines, all of that so that everybody is on a fair and balanced playing field. By the way, I'll defend Nick Saban on this. Like all of the issues that Nick Saban comes out publicly to talk about. I don't believe that he's afraid of Jimbo Fisher or afraid of Texas A&M or afraid that his program is slipping. He just wants what's best for the sport, and he wants, if you want to call him fair rules, I don't know about fair, but he wants something across the board that evens the playing field. He doesn't want, in a hypothetical world, Texas A&M or Texas or USC or whomever to be able to have a, a $30 million budget for a recruiting class and a school like I don't know, Alabama, Ole Miss, whoever, have less. And so I understand that he wants what's best for college football. I do not judge him for that at all. I also think there was a way to to do everything that he did on Wednesday night without calling out Jimbo Fisher specifically, without calling out Jackson State specifically, without calling out Miami specifically, although that one's a little different because he did talk about Nigel Pack, which that number is public. There is a way to do that without going after families, players, and coaching staffs. There's a way to say, guys and girls, I love your support of Alabama, I'm worried about the future. We have rumors that schools are paying players upwards of a million dollars and calling it NIL. We have rumors that some of our conference rivals aren't playing by the same set. There is a way to do it without calling out Jimbo Fisher specifically, without calling Texas A&M specifically, without calling out Jackson State specifically, and I can't help but think that Nick Saban took an L on Wednesday night doesn't make him a bad human being, doesn't mean, by the way, that he doesn't want what's best for college football, but in this case, in this world, he went after individual players, individual coaches, individual families, individual schools. I thought he was dead wrong. I thought Jimbo Fisher had every right to defend himself. It made for great content, by the way, I can't sit here and lie and say it didn't make for great content. It made for great content, but I think Nick Saban was dead wrong on this. And I don't, I don't have any problem with Jimbo Fisher defending himself. I don't have any problem with Jimbo at all. I, you got to fight for your program. you got to fight for yourself, right? The whole, I'm not trying to make it into something that it's not, but the whole J.J. Redick thing if you the last couple weeks. I'm allowed to defend. You call me a name on your podcast, I'm allowed to defend myself. And it's the same with Jimbo Fisher. He's allowed to defend himself. It made for great, great, great content. And I'll tell you this. I'm not the first person to say it. I cannot wait to see what these two teams have in store when they play on October 8th in Tuscaloosa. All right, this is what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. I want to come back. And I do want to wrap just two segments today. We did Sabin versus Jimbo. And let's wrap with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I'm going to hit on a lot of different stuff. An aspect of the Jimbo-Saben stuff that you may not have thought about. Shaden Sharp, NBA Draft Lottery, all sorts of good stuff. I will be right back. Two segments today. Shorter Friday show. Aaron right, Aaron wrong. That is... Is next. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, the NBA playoffs are down to four teams. And DraftKings Sportsbook has an incredible offer for first time users of DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Here is the deal: bet $5 on any team. Just a money line bet, not against the spread, not the over-under, just a $5 money line bet on any team. And if that team wins, you get $150 in free bets. That's right. One team, Boston, Golden State, Milwaukee, Dallas, whoever you like, bet $5 on them. If they win, you get $150 in free cash. Here's what you got to do. Here's how you sign up. Click the link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Bet $5 on any team. And if your team wins... You get an automatic $150 thanks to our friends at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the best offer in sports betting going, so make sure to act now. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler, 1 800 426 2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1 800 9 within in Indiana, 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado, 1 800 bets Off in Iowa, 1 888 532 3500 in Virginia, 1 800 Next Step in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline at 1 800 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21-plus or over to enter, 18-plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions.
1: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. First of all, thank you again to our partners DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Remember, any new user, $5 money line bet If your team wins $150 in free cash, rest of the NBA playoffs, pick any team that's playing any game, bet $5 on the money line. If you win that bet, if the team wins that you bet on, you get $150 in free cash. Thank you again to our partners, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Incredible offer. We love working with them. Thank you to DraftKings. With that said, though, I do want to wrap today's show with what has quickly become America's favorite segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Last segment of the show, we'll get out of here, we'll get into the weekend. We've been doing this on Fridays, and I think it's worked out really well. You know, during football season, I obviously got to make my picks at the end of the week. During basketball season, we're kind of previewing what's coming up on that weekend. But during the summer, there's not as much going into Saturday and Sunday. So where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, is the perfect way to end the week. My now, y'all know the drill. Stole this from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong every week, and I thought I'd bring it to the show. The concept pretty straightforward. I like to give out an awful lot of opinions over the course of any given week, month, year on social media, on this podcast, on my radio show, and I get a lot of stuff right. And when I get stuff right, oh, you better believe that I love to talk about it. Just ask JJ Reddick. Just ask JJ Reddick, baby. But guess what? I get a lot of stuff wrong too. And that is the concept of this segment is sometimes I like to take victory laps, but sometimes I got to take L's and give myself a little slap on the wrist. And so let's get into it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. Let's get back to the topic that we just talked about for 20 minutes to lead the show. And that is Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher, because I do think that while the fireworks and the back and forth and Jimbo said this and Nick Saban said that, while that got caught up, you know, that, that, that's what made the headlines, obviously, right? But if you actually listen to both of them, they essentially said the same thing. They want regulations. They want things put in place. And this is something that I talked about weeks ago. If you remember, I think it was really about the end of April, the Jordan Addison thing, which we'll talk about in a minute. I was up in arms. I was yelling and screaming. And then I brought on my buddy, Dan Lust, the lawyer. And we talked an awful lot about just the state of NIL and can anything be done. Dan Luss said that he believes at some point federal oversight will come in, and really what I said was at that point, look, I don't have all the answers, and I don't know what all of the answers are, but I do believe that we are not going to go on with this craziness the way that it is in perpetuity. That was basically what Nick Saban was complaining about on on Thursday on Wednesday night, and Jimbo Fisher lost in the press conference. He said, look, one of the reasons that we are not breaking the rules, and you can have your own opinion on Jimbo Fisher, he goes, it's against Texas state law, and on top of that, he said, we need federal oversight, and ironically, Jimbo Fisher said a lot of the same stuff that I have said on this show. I don't have all the answers. I'm not a lawyer. Jimbo Fisher said the same thing, but he said we need universal, federal, across-the-board rules, and so where Aaron was right was about three, four weeks ago, I said, look, this is a weird time now. If your team's losing players, I get it. I get your frustration. It is not going to go on like this forever. We are going to figure out a way to get this more under control, and so I was right on that one. Where Aaron was wrong. So this is one of the quickest where Aaron was wrongs ever. Sometimes it takes months, years, whatever, to be proven wrong. This one took about 48 hours, because if you listen to last episode on Wednesday, I did a lot. I did a segment on Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from Pittsburgh, the star transfer, and I said, look, I don't know where he will end up, but if I was advising him, if he asked me, Torres, where should I go? I said he should go to Alabama. I said I just thought that the way the offense is run, the fact that it seems like every wide receiver that goes there ends up as a first-round pick, that was the selection that I would make, but I also said uh, my guess would be that he still probably ends up at USC, and that's exactly what happened on Thursday afternoon, as in the midst of the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban craziness, Jordan Addison did indeed commit to USC. Listen, this one, I I was going to do a whole segment on it, but... I don't know what that what there is to say that hasn't already been said. This was the rumor from even before Jordan Addison hit the transfer portal. The buzz was that he was going to USC. And I think it makes a lot of sense on both sides. Jordan Addison is a, an incredibly talented wide receiver. He's going to play for a head coach who puts the ball in the hands of his best playmakers. He's had wide receivers go in the first round. He's had wide receivers win Balitnikov awards. And he's one of the great offensive minds. Can go to a place with an established quarterback. Texas, of course, uh, is kind of a we know Quinn Ewers is going to start, but it's not official yet. You know what you're getting from Caleb Williams. You know what you're getting from Lincoln Riley. This made sense. And as a matter of fact, the more that I think about it, I kind of wonder if he claimed that Alabama was in the mix, that Texas was in the mix, if he took that Texas visit just so that it would not be so apparent that USC tampered with him. I'm not accusing them of anything. But when he was linked to USC even before he hit the portal, that raised a lot of eyebrows. But in the end, not all that surprising. And yes, I do think this kid will absolutely ball out for the Trojans next year. Where Aaron was right. Tuesday night was the NBA draft. Um, the NBA draft lottery. Obviously, the combine was this week. And what is one of the big storylines from this week? The emergence of Shaden Sharp, the Kentucky point guard had a great pro day. He actually left town on Thursday with the implication being that somebody made him a guarantee. That is why he left. I bring it up to say, I get a lot of stuff wrong on this show, but I don't believe that anyone has been more right on the entire Shaden Sharp situation than your boy Torres. If you go back all the way to October and November, when it was first announced that he was going to reclassify, I said, look, Kentucky fans, I can't say anything definitively, but I feel pretty confident in saying that this kid will never play a minute of basketball at the University of Kentucky because it never made sense. It never made sense for him to enroll early, sit out a year, and then wait another year, another 18 months after getting to college to play college basketball? Listen, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything, but I've been following grassroots basketball long enough to know this. When a kid reclassifies, with the exception of Amani Bates, who his parents are complete idiots, but that's neither here nor there, when a kid reclassifies, there is only one reason. It is to fast-track his eligibility for the tw- for the next NBA draft. Shaden Sharp was going to be 19 this year and I told you from the beginning I said look I don't know how it's going to happen I don't know what's going to go on but he is not playing at Kentucky in 2022 and 2023 and I got criticized by a lot of people in the media for it there were some very prominent people that either publicly or privately reached out to me and said you know he's not technically eligible you know he's not eligible you know he didn't graduate here so he can't I said I don't care I'm just telling you he will find a way to get eligible. That is exactly what happened, and now, with the performance that he appears to have had in Chicago at the NBA Draft Combine, it is pretty clear that he's not coming back to Kentucky. Listen, I feel bad for Kentucky fans. I think he got screwed. I actually feel bad for John Calipari. I think he got a little hoodwinked here, and I think he kind of got caught between a rock and a hard place where he kind of knew what was going on, but he kind of had to protect the kid publicly, but at the same time, this kid, once it was announced that he was reclassifying I was the only one who said it. I told you he was never going to play at Kentucky, and I was dead. Right. Where Aaron was wrong. So speaking of the NBA draft, let's go back to last year, right? If you remember last year, there was real buzz that there was about four to five players that were real difference makers in last year's draft. It was Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, Jalen Green from uh, from, uh, the G League Ignite program, Evan Mobley from USC, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, and Jonathan Kaminga, who also played in the G League Ignite program. I agreed with that sentiment. I had them in a little bit of a different order, but I said those are the clear top five. Well, on Wednesday, the All-Rookie team came out, and on top of that, uh, the NBA Rookie of the Year, who was obviously on the All-Rookie team, was named Scotty Barnes, who played at Florida State, and who was selected fourth overall by the Toronto Raptors. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say that I remember all of my flaming hot uh, NBA draft takes from the 2021 NBA draft, but I really thought it was a real reach for the Toronto Raptors to take Scotty Barnes ahead of some of the guys that they did at number four overall. I thought there was a clear top five. I thought Scotty Barnes was at best number six, and I thought the Toronto Raptors had made a huge mistake taking Scotty Barnes at number four overall. Instead, they take him. He ends up being NBA Rookie of the Year. Now look, Evan Mobley was awesome. Cade Cunningham, if he had played the whole season and gotten the normal preseason, probably would have been right there for the NBA Rookie of the Year. But Scotty Barnes, of all people, yes, we're talking Toronto Raptors on this show, probably the first time since we actually had Nick Nurse on this show, but I was wrong on Scotty Barnes. I did not think he was going to be this good. Congratulations to him on winning NBA Rookie of the Year and being named to All-NBA Rookie Team this year. I will mention, by the way, my buddy Zach Kroll, who's been on this show, texted me this. I thought it was interesting. All of the players who made the NBA All-Rookie Team that went to college, uh, uh, Jalen Green being the one exception... They all played at winning programs in college basketball. I don't think that's a coincidence that Cade Cunningham won in college, Evan Mobley won in college, Scotty Barnes made a Sweet 16 at Florida State, and then they have success in the NBA. But I was dead wrong on Scotty Barnes. I gotta own that one. Where Aaron was right. Let's get back to the NBA playoffs. You know, I, I don't talk a ton of NBA on this show, but one thing I will say, I never understood coming into the playoffs the idea that Phoenix was the overwhelming favorite in these NBA plus. If you listen to all these people that cover the NBA and talk about a three hundred sixty five days a year, oh the Phoenix Suns. I mean, who can possibly beat the Phoenix Suns? I don't know what's gonna happen, but don't don't bet against the Suns. And I said, like, they're really good. But like we all watched the NBA playoffs last year, right? They were a great story, but if you remember, they were down two to one in the opening round against the Los Angeles Lakers and then Anthony Davis got hurt and then they ripped through the rest of the playoffs. They win game four and I think they basically won out the rest of the series. They knock out the Lakers but they were down to the Lakers in the NBA, uh, uh, Western, uh, the NBA playoffs in the opening round last year. If I'm not mistaken, they beat the Clippers without Kawhi in the Western Conference Finals and then they got run off the floor in the final four games against the Bucks. So if you wanted to make the argument, okay, they're the favorites in the West, I could buy that. But why are we talking about them as the favorite when the Bucks came back with the same team and destroyed them over the final four games? Well, we all know what happened from here. We all know that uh, they really struggled. Poor Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul has taken way too much heat at the end of this week. He's 37 years old. Uh, this is his 18th, 19th NBA season. <laughs> like The idea that this guy at five 5'10", 37 years old is supposed to carry you, I don't get it. But I didn't think this team was, was was invincible. I thought they were a little bit overhyped coming into the playoffs, and I was dead right on that. Where Aaron was wrong. Let's go back to Sunday night. I mean, that Luka performance was unbelievable. And I know I talked about this a few days ago, uh, a few weeks ago, really, and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I got to take another L on Luka because this guy is incredible. Now, look, I know he struggled in game one against the Warriors on Thursday night. I get all that. But I go back to that 2018 NBA draft that he was in, and I just didn't see it. I just saw a guy that could handle the ball, but he wasn't elite athletically. He wasn't super explosive. And what the good talent evaluators kept telling you at that point, what they kept telling you was, this dude is playing in the second toughest league in the world behind the NBA. I forget, you know, the, 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 the Spanish league. I think he was playing for Barcelona. He's playing in the second toughest league in the world and he just won MVP. Do you understand how insane that is? Do you understand how much more impressive that is than, you know, averaging 19 points per game at Duke or whatever? I remember Fran Fraschilla saying it. I believe Mike Schmitz from ESPN was saying it. And I said, look, I, I get it. I just don't see it. Well, Luca, now, you know, I'm not ready to say he's the best player in the world because I think Giannis is. But Luka has been unbelievable in these playoffs. Obviously, we all remember the stat from Sunday night, 27 points against the Phoenix Suns at halftime. That was the same number as the Phoenix Suns had. He was by far the best player on the floor in that game, uh, well ahead of what Chris Paul did, well ahead of what Devin Booker did, and I was just dead wrong on Luka. Finally, and you guys are going to love this one, or Aaron was right. Let's get to... Maybe the biggest topic in all of sports, and that is, of course, UConn football recruiting with Jim Moore. Okay, so here's the deal. On Monday and Tuesday, so so for people who don't really know the the sports calendar, obviously we talk a lot of portal on this show, but after spring practice, a bunch of players from all over the country that knew they weren't going to play next year all entered the transfer portal. And so we're starting to see kids commit, this and that. I talk more basketball than football this time of year, but on Tuesday, UConn, it was actually Monday, but on, on Monday, UConn got commitments from a former four-star who played at Texas and a former four-star who played at Missouri. Why do I bring it up? It is because when Randy Edsel resigned or was fired, depending on how you look at it in the fall, I had so many people tell me, Torres- your alma mater, they should just shut down their football program. They stink. They should go to FCS. Why are they even trying? You can't be an independent in the modern era unless you're Notre Dame. It doesn't work. And my argument at the time was pretty straightforward. I said, look, I'm not claiming my school is Alabama. I'm not claiming my school is Texas A&M or USC or Texas or Georgia or Florida. But this school is not, and this job is not nearly as bad as people are making it out to be. Yes, it's an independent school, but guess what? Being an independent means you get to play more quality teams than teams in the MAC, than teams in the Mountain West, than teams in Conference USA. UConn has two Power 5 schools on their home schedule next year. They go to Michigan in coming years, to ten- Tennessee. Uh, they go to Ohio State a few years from now. So you're playing the biggest brands. You get good teams to come to your home field. Um, and it's just, it's it's a different deal, right? I'm not saying you should choose UConn over tennessee or florida or georgia but it's a better job than akron and san jose state and uh you know nevada and colorado state and so to come full circle jim mora is cleaning up in the on the recruiting trail and in the portal got a quarterback in the in the winter from penn state got got players from kentucky texas tech tennessee missouri and all of them aren't going to work out But as I told you, all you needed was a real coach at this school, a guy that embraced the portal, a guy that believed in the school and everything that it sold. The other thing, keep in mind, UConn, again, UConn's fans and alumni, they don't have the money at Texas or Texas A&M, but it's a state school. It's the only Power 5 in that state, or it's the only, um, yeah, not Power 5, but Power 6 if you include basketball and all that stuff. It's the only major university in the state. It is well-run, it is well-funded, and I kept telling you, this job is not as bad as you think. Give Jim Moore some time. I'm telling you, I know a lot of you guys and girls don't care about going to mid-tier bowl games, but give it a year or two, Jim Moore will have UConn in bowl games. This job is not nearly as bad as you think. A major, major, major recruiting week for Jim Moore. All right. With that said, I think that's it for today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Again, quick episode today. Just felt like, look, outside of the Saban stuff, outside of the Sabin Jimbo Fisher stuff, there's not a ton going on. So it just felt like a good time to just get in, get out, give you a quick 30, 35, 40 minutes, get out of here, and allow you to move on with your weekends. With that said, before we get out of here, I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. First of all, if you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Hope everybody's enjoying the middle of May. Hope everybody's gonna have fun this weekend. The weather's getting nice. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Shout-out to Torrent Craig. Shout-out to Rachel, who hates my voice. I'll be back on Monday with a new episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com.